Welcome to Marketing Tips for Translators, a podcast with marketing and business tips and strategy specifically for freelance translators and interpreters. I'm your host, Tess Witte, a longtime freelance translator with an education and professional background in marketing. Tune in to hear tips from my own experience or from other translators and industry experts. Hello and welcome to Marketing Tips for Translators. I'm your host, Tess Witte, and uh, I am bringing you marketing and business tips and all sorts of other tips for freelance translators and interpreters. Today is a different topic, but a topic that I think is very, very important. It is, we're gonna talk about relaxation and resilience. Many, many freelancers feel stressed and anxious at least some of the time. Uh, I mean, most people do, but this is focusing on freelancers. We uh, work, um, we have a solitary work at our desks with deadlines to meet and we have fluctuating workloads and this can all lead to extra stress for me. Personally, yoga has helped me a lot. And last year, I even got certified as a yoga teacher after having practiced yoga for almost 20 years. Um, I am not the only one, though. I know several other freelance translators and interpreters who uh, are also yoga and meditation teachers. I was recently contacted by one of them who practices and teaches a specific method called LOS. This, uh, and I will have her talk about what that means. This translator teaches uh, participants relaxation and resilience techniques so that they can enjoy more peace in everyday life and uh, get better physical and mental health. And this, uh, she has a specific method that I want her to talk about. It's thoroughly researched relaxation methods. Um, and uh, we will learn all about them today. So I would like to welcome her to the podcast today. It's a fellow translator and now also a relaxation and resilience teacher. Welcome, Claire Vengren. Yes, hello. Thank you. I am pronouncing your name, uh, last name in Swedish. So how would you say it in English or German? Well, I think that's, uh, I think that's actually correct. Um, my father's, uh, my father's family came from Sweden a couple generations ago. Okay. But um, when I grew up, um, everybody had that typical American pronunciation of Wengren. Yeah. And here in Germany, it's most people, when they have to call out my name, they look down at the form pause and then make their best effort. So it's really pretty much anything that people, um, yeah, pretty much anything people say that resembles Wengren or Wengren or Wengren. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. Okay. So tell us a bit about yourself. Uh, you, it sounds like you have lived in several countries. Tell us about your career in the translation industry and your background. Okay. Yes. Um, you're right. I have lived in uh, several countries. I grew up in the United States um, in Denver near the Rocky Mountains, mm -hmm. and I worked uh, for a year as a language teacher in France. I was an English assistant there. 
And after that, I did a master's degree in art history in Canada, where I then started really learning German intensely. And I started really liking this language and kind of guess where this is going right now. I applied for a DAAD scholarship uh, to continue studying in Germany. But then I decided, no, I really, um, I love art. I love art history and cultural studies, but really languages, I think that's that's what I want to work with. Mm -hmm. So that's at that point when I realized that I decided to um, stop, so, um, stop official studies. Of course, I've kept learning. I like mm -hmm. to think of myself as a lifelong learner. And then I started uh, looking for jobs as a translator. And of course, you start part time, or at least in my uh, my case, because I um, I didn't study that. Mm -hmm. um, I got some part time jobs, and I began freelancing. And I realized, hey, this is working pretty well. Mm -hmm. And I then received a full time position in Kiel, and started on March third, two thousand fourteen. And about two and a half years later, I decided to return to freelance work um, just in order to be able to do more things. Um, I had been doing SAP for two and a half years straight. And that's interesting and challenging. And I learned so much at that translation agency. But I needed a little bit. Um, I needed something else to do besides just software translation. Mm -hmm. And since that time, I've been um, I've been working as a freelance translator with my company um, named Mova Translations, and I've kept software and technical texts as one of my main focuses. But I've also then moved into legal work, and I was certified as um, as a translator and interpreter. So I've been doing work for the courts and for the Department of Prosecution and the police since uh, the beginning of 2019. Okay. And I think that's very rewarding work. It's very difficult, of course, but it's very rewarding. So how long have you lived in Germany? See, I arrived in Germany at the beginning of September 2011. Okay. Yeah, so coming up on 10 years, which is very hard to believe. Yes, I know. I can't believe I've been in the United States for um, 20 years either. So it's crazy. Back in, I mean, I've been back, but mostly in the United States. So, okay. So you are still working as a, as a translator, mm -hmm. correct? But you have another, how should I say, niche, specialization no, or passion. You teach uh, relax relaxation and resilience, especially for translators. How did you get into that? Well, I had realized, I think about two years into my freelance work, I realized that you know, founding the company and all that, I needed to put my all into that, of course, the first two years yeah. to get enough customers and to establish a name for myself. But mm -hmm. at a certain point, I realized well, I can't keep going at this rate because mm -hmm. at some point you're going to burn out. And if you're realizing that after two years, that's pretty quick. Um, yeah. And so I started looking at different, at just different methods of like calming down, distancing myself from work. And in the course of that, I became familiar with the um, MBSR, as a mindfulness techniques from John Kabat-Zinn. 
And then I thought about becoming a mindfulness um, trainer, Mm -hmm. but then somebody suggested that perhaps just relaxation training would also be a good option. Mm -hmm. And uh, there was a very good school actually just down the street from where I live and they offer fabulous courses. And Mm -hmm. I decided I would try them out. And that's, that's why I decided then for relaxation training in the end. And after I was done with that program, I just happened to see on their website, hey, they also offer something called resilience training. Um, Mm -hmm. That could be interesting. And so I combined those two, those two components. And yeah, that's. um, So you were working part time still then or had you already launched your freelance career completely? Oh, I had um, at that point, I had already launched my freelance career completely. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I was going to say that is a lot of things to keep track of or work with. Yeah, it's um, oh. yeah, with um, the relaxation company, um, so LOS or LOS, the German word is um, or term is Loslassen ohne Stress or mm-hmm. let go of stress, also works mm-hmm. well in English. Yeah, just com- yeah, trying, to, um, trying to coordinate everything with that and MOVA translations is quite a bit. And I think if I had a half time position as well, that would. Um, yeah, that would that would be really challenging. Yes. So tell us a little bit more about loss, or I would say let go of stress. That seems to be work for me. But tell us some more about it and what it is and how it works. And yeah, so let go of stress. Um, as you said, I think that's uh, for this podcast. That's uh, definitely a good choice, and mm-hmm. I'm happy that the acronym works in German. And English. I Mm -hmm. didn't plan on that, but it just happened. Mm -hmm. Uh, That is my relaxation and resilience training service. And one, if people visit my website, they'll see lots of pictures of me with my bow and arrow. And Mm -hmm. I took up archery as part of my, um, as, as part of my um, just um, how I, how I learned more about relaxation and resilience. Mm -hmm. And then I realized, you know, having a bow and arrow where you quite literally let go of tension and you let go of an arrow, mm-hmm. that's perfect. And so the reason that I have the bow on there is my website is full of archery metaphors. And when I do presentations online or hopefully, um, hopefully in the future, um, also with people in the live audience, I have my bow and I demonstrate what happens to us if we hold mm-hmm. on to our stress too long mm-hmm. or if we're unable to relax. And that's exactly what I want to teach people is how can they let go of their stress? How can mm-hmm. they relax? How can they t- take a step back from their problems? And I think in that regard, it's also important to mention that what I do is relaxation and resilience training. It's not therapy. So yeah, so it's it's not like people can come to me if they're like depressed or if they're really past the point where they're almost to a burnout. I, I always think it's important to mention that. Um, but yeah, that's what I hope to do is help people who need help um, but aren't um, what I would what I would call where they're not. Like I said where they're not approaching a burnout point. People who are before that. Um, that's my target group, and mm-hmm. I hope to help them then get back from back from the burnout point. Okay. I can imagine that practicing the bow and arrow is a a sport that requires a lot of 
focus and you really have to take your mind off of other things when you do that, correct? So that would be a way to distance yourself from work, so to speak. Yes, um, that's certainly true. I know last summer, of course, when I hadn't had that much experience with archery, I only needed to think of the word Steuererklärung, which is um, tax declaration in German. Mm -hmm. And uh, my marksmanship was not as good, <laughs> almost instantaneously. And I think thinking in the long term, I would like to plan to have people come to the archery range with me. Mm -hmm. Or if I were if I, were, if I were perhaps be able to rent a larger piece of land, perhaps set up an archery course and then combine these two. But right now, yeah, right now it's it's a good metaphor exactly for that reason is that mm -hmm. when you're doing that, you can't, you really, you have to focus on your target and you can't let everything else that's going on in life, um, stress and problems. Yeah. Otherwise you're just not going to hit. And that is one reason I do yoga too, because there are poses or sequences there that, if you are not focusing and you're not completely there, you can't do them. So it is also one way of taking my mind off of work. So, um, but let's talk about more about first of first relaxation. We're going to talk about both relaxation and resilience, but first relaxation. Uh, why is it so important for us translators to be able to relax? Yeah, I think for some of the reasons that you already mentioned, um, especially um, freelancers, a lot of us are working alone. And this has been intensified as with Corona, with, the, with all the restrictions. We have, mm -hmm. We're working alone and we're probably spending most of our evenings alone as well. And I think just being able to then step back on our of our own like of our own will and especially when we don't have other things to distract us from work and being able to take the step back and say okay that was work now i'm going to perhaps go into another room and because i'm speaking from um my own experience i work from a room that is also in my apartment and yeah. i think that's the case for many people in germany if it wasn't the case before corona it certainly is now and i think being able to learn how to relax within the same um not necessarily the same room but within the same apartment where you also do your work all day mm -hmm. i think that's very important and like i said before corona i think it was especially for translators this was important now i think it's important for essentially everybody i know i know my my son mentioned that the, he he was at the university and for him and many others it has been hard because they were both studying and working and sleeping in the same room so it was very hard to separate the, all those activities which yes. i can imagine so okay um i'm i'm assuming you will give us some tips on how to to relax but first let's talk about resilience um what is it and why is it so important so resilience is um, well, there's there's no one there's no one true definition of resilience I would say but a lot of people characterize it as sort of a bounce back ability um, mm -hmm. or put in other put in other words um, when you encounter a problem 
a crisis or a difficult situation or just just a setback, um, generally speaking, you don't let that get you down. I think it's human nature to be discouraged or disappointed for a short time. But instead of focusing on the fact that oh, something didn't work out and then just dwelling on that, resilient people, they acknowledge that, okay, it didn't work out this time, I made a mistake, but then they learn from that mistake. Um, and if something unfortunate happened that was out of their control, they also try to um, learn something from that. And then they continue with, uh, with their lives, with these new skills, with, these new, with this new knowledge. And shortly put, um, yeah, they get on with life and they might even be stronger than they were before this unfortunate thing happened to them. And I think especially um, in the course of the last year, year and a half, we've seen how important it is when something unfortunate that's out of our control happens to mm -hmm. have this ability to take a step back and say, okay, this is happening. Um, I'm going to get through it as best as I can, see if I can learn something from this. And perhaps then I can apply that during later uh, difficult situations or crises in my life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very true, very important. Yeah. And so needed right now, um, instead of just dwelling and, and, and complaining, we need to try to make the best out of it. And that is not always easy especially if we've lost um, loved ones, especially. So um, can you um, talk about, give us some tips on, on some relaxation techniques that we can do as uh, freelancers to separate work and the rest of our lives and to uh, calm ourselves down? And um, yeah, can you give us some tips or techniques for that? Oh, yes, I'd be happy to. And um, I have put together a short, uh, a, a short progressive muscle relaxation exercise that I think mm -hmm. translators would really benefit from something um, because a lot of us spend our entire days in front of a screen typing. Yep. And I think we've, we're prone to get headaches and muscle aches in our shoulders and just so much tension. Mm -hmm. So I've put together a short sequence of um, exercises that translators can do to help relieve that tension. And just generally speaking, though, um, before we get into that, going back to the topic of being in front of a screen all day, mm -hmm. um, whether whether or not uh, we think that our work is um, stressful, um, the fact is that being in front of a screen all day um, essentially assails our, our nervous system with stimuli. Mm -hmm. And we're looking at things, we're hearing things. There's perhaps, um, at least in my case, it feels like I'm getting an email every five minutes. Mm -hmm. And our bodies need time to come down. They need time to calm down. And I think many people believe that as long as they're doing something that they enjoy, that's mm -hmm. relaxation. Mm -hmm. But if you go watch a film on Netflix, for example, or, um, or even sometimes reading a thriller like a book, your body is still being bombarded with stimuli that might mm -hmm. be different um, if you're reading a book. But if you go watch TV, it's really it's the same sort of stimuli that you're exposed to all day. And it's still stressing out your body, even if you might be enjoying it. So I think uh, for us um, and anybody who works in front of a screen all day, a good way to relax is to then just reduce screen time outside of work. Mm -hmm. And also realize that even if you enjoy an activity, um, it might 
also still be causing the nervous system stress. Just set aside time where you're not doing anything, but you're just being, whether that's just sitting outside. And it, that doesn't mean that you have to be walking around like a zombie. You can also, you can also um, practice elements of mindfulness and just observe and take in, accept that things are happening, um, or you can meditate but just to put aside time where you're not constantly producing or consuming or being subject to stimuli. I think that's, that's very important. I agree. But I also think that that is really, really hard these days. I can just see my own young adult children have grown up with the phone in their hand and we are, they are not used to unplugging like if they are relaxing they are still listening to something reading something watching something um etc and i know myself when i go on a relaxing walk i usually listen to a podcast yeah i know i enjoy listening to classical music which i then often play on the piano or the cello but Mm -hmm. Then I also think, um, especially during, I, I believe during difficult passages is when I'm playing the music, that's when I realize like, oh, this is actually a stress for my nervous system. Um, so I think we are surrounded by temptations and there are so many options and everything is available 24-7 now. And I think it's it's very difficult to say, like, no, my cell phone goes off at 10 o'clock at night or it's put it's um, or it's in silent mode. And then I'm only going to, to accept calls after eight in the morning or just start perhaps making drawing simple boundaries like that. Just so mm-hmm. at least one screen, then you're not looking at your cell phone and trying to read the small print right before mm-hmm. you go to bed. Yeah, that will help your nervous system shut down. And yeah, then you can probably sleep better as well, which is important. <laughs> Yes, yes. So how much time do we need to spend away from stimuli then for it to be um, efficient or effectful? I think that probably varies from person to person. Mm -hmm. I know, I think I know there is a there's a category of people who are um, qualified as hochsensibel, so in German, or being um, highly sensitive. Mm-hmm. And I believe I belong to this group of people where uh, it's very difficult for me to um, to ignore sounds and to ignore things that I see out of the corner of my eye. Mm-hmm. And so that means for these people, um, and I don't want to put everybody um, like I don't want to you know, put everybody into one group and say everybody's the same. But I could imagine that people like me who really, really perceive everything that's going around, they might need a little bit more time, first of all, to calm, to calm down and to find peace. Mm-hmm. And then they may also need a little bit more time out. And I would, I would recommend that people start uh, with smaller amounts of time just so that they do it at all. Um, Mm -hmm. Because I think if you start um, even with the best intentions and you say, well, I'm going to meditate for an hour a day, um, it could turn out that it's relatively difficult to find that hour a day. But Mm -hmm. if you start out with five minutes and say, okay, well, I can do five minutes a day and I can find these five minutes. And if you find that it's beneficial, then you're much more likely to do 10 or 15 or 30 and then find the optimum time for yourself and for your schedule and 
also, I believe in that process, it's important to not let relaxation become a stressor because sometimes putting pressure on yourself, like, oh my God, I haven't found the 30 minutes or the 10 minutes or the five minutes today is counterproductive. So mm-hmm. I I am one of those that have had a hard time finding time to meditate. And so I have to do it first thing in the morning. I get up, I, and this might not be, uh, you might not think this is good either, but I do guided meditations. I put on my, I get up, get out of, up, out of my bed and sit down in my, my corner. I put on my headphones and I do a guided meditation for 10 minutes. Otherwise, I usually forget to do it. So, so what do you think about guided meditations? Are those still, st- still stimuli? I think well, they, they are stimuli in the sense that you're hearing something and you're paying attention. Yet at the same time, when I do the progressive muscle relaxation or the autogenic training sessions, I'm essentially doing a guided course. Yeah. So as long, yeah. I think until people are able to or want to, I think some people so apparently you're one of them truly benefit from the guided meditations. And I think if the benefits outweigh the exposure to this relatively low level of stimulus, mm-hmm. I think that's perfectly legitimate. Um, at least the guided meditations that I've done, people speak relatively low key. There mm-hmm. might be a little bit of music in the background. And I think there's quite a bit of difference between listening to something like that and one of the latest pop hits um, on the radio while yeah. we're trying to relax at the gym or something like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, I know that you uh, you can. Do you want to do the demonstration now, or do do you want to talk more about tips for resilience first? As it might um, as it might be good to do the tips um, about resilience, uh, okay. just in case, because um, I have had even in relatively short sessions of progressive muscle, progressive muscle relaxation, I have had people nod off. Okay. Um, so, or then be take a little while to um, get back into the real world. So mm-hmm. it might be good to have that closer to the end. Okay, we'll we'll end with that then. So. Uh, what are your tips on, on cultivating resilience? Yeah, I think, well, at least going back to our lives as translators, I think if I had to pick one of the uh, resilience factors that's most important for us, especially freelancers, and um, people can always read more about the individual factors and resilience on my website, but I would say acceptance is mm-hmm. one of the most um, important ones and optimism, um, especially as I'm repeating myself again, but especially in the last year or a year and a half. And I think trying to cultivate optimism, when I say that, I don't mean a sort of unhealthy, positive thinking, like everything's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. So, you no, know, sometimes you need to lay the groundwork for everything to be okay, but putting thoughts or trying to um, foster thoughts such as, okay, I've studied translation. I've dedicated myself to this profession. I have good relationships to my customers. So like laying the foundation, mm. something is going to come through. Not everybody is going to abandon me like that. Just trying to focus on what you've accomplished and then turn it into something positive mm-hmm. or actively looking for positive things throughout the day. 
I think one of my favorite exercises that we did um, in the resilience training course and that I like to share with people is you take 10 small objects. I like to take um, little uh, arrow tips, actually. Sometimes I have them around in my pockets, mm -hmm. but you can take something like peas or beans and you can put them in your left pocket. And every time something positive happens to you, mm -hmm. you transfer one of them into your right pocket. And you'd be surprised once you start looking for positive things, how many you find. And I've had some people come and tell me like, oh, well, I started needing to put 20 in my pocket because mm. I just realized, you know, somebody opened the door for me or a car gave me the right of way when I didn't expect it. That happens often in Kiel. <laughs> um, yeah. And so just putting it is trying to incorporate little exercises like that. And especially I think for that one, then reviewing the positive things at the end of the day, um, maybe if you have the 10 things in your pocket, taking them out and trying to remember again what happened is just a reminder that even in times of crises, like if you're in a pandemic and you might not be getting as much work as you have in the past, there are still positive things that are happening. That is a great tip, I think, Claire. I have not thought about that one before <clears throat> because it's something physical that reminds you to look for it and and yeah, it's a it's a physical act because I have also learned or been taught to do, you know, gratitude journaling. So write th three things I'm grateful for, three or five things I'm grateful for every day. And that can be hard to start doing, I think. Sometimes if you are in a funk, it's hard to find anything positive. <laughs> I, I do think that it's a great exercise, but I think that those 10 things physical things might be easier to start with i don't know so yeah and i think for people who are in a funk like you mentioned um i think it, some people might say oh you know 10 is too many and then it's fine people can start with three or five or even mm -hmm. two mm -hmm. and then as i said before i think once people then get into that routine and they'll realize like oh well yeah, there's actually quite a bit. Um, it doesn't have to be like, I got a job offer today. Oh, my God. It doesn't have to be mm -hmm. something like that. It can really mm -hmm. be like, oh, well, the sun came out. It stopped raining for half an hour and I was able to go outside. That's, mm -hmm. that's always something positive in northern Germany. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've also heard people doing um, a jar with notes of things that they are either grateful for or positive things that happen. And then they go through them at the end of the month, so. Okay, well, that's also a good idea. I can, mm -hmm. I, can, I can do that. I've folded a lot of paper cranes also um, as part of my uh, personal cultivation of mindfulness. Mm -hmm. And I could, I could write them on the cranes and put them in a jar. That would be, yeah. be yeah. nice. Yeah, great. Thank you for that tip. I think that's a great tip. Um, now, okay. Before you, we go into the relaxation exercise, I do have to ask you a marketing question because this is a marketing podcast. So what marketing strategy works really well for you right now in your either translation business or your um, re relaxation and resilience services? I think with the translating, my strategy right now, and especially um, with the last year, 
I've been very one of the thinking, um, speaking of optimism and gratitude, mm-hmm. I've been very grateful for the fact that I had a firm customer base before Corona hit. Mm-hmm. And I think the best marketing tip that I can give translators right now is if you have good relationships to your customers, whether they're direct customers or agencies or authorities, just maintain the bond, maintain the relationship. And if at all possible, one way I do that is uh, to to enter also into dialogue with my project managers, not to see them as a source of income, but uh, we've ended up talking about my cello or my bow and arrow and other people than play instruments, just that sort of thing. Um, Once you've got good customers, do everything you can to keep them. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And one, actually, I think a lot of the, a lot of the positive resonance I've had for Los, um, let go of of stress, has been through the translating business. Um, For example, I've been able to contact the courts and the police and at least get my foot in the door, as I Mm -hmm. mentioned earlier, with funding this year is very difficult just because their um, funding for non-essential services has essentially been cut. Mm -hmm. I've heard from a lot of people, but interest is there and just knowing somebody to contact and then mentioning that name in the next step and mentioning that name in the next step until you find the right person. That's been very helpful for me. And also uh, just, um, just every day I have some, I have some cards and when I'm in the organic food store, um, then of course I can put some of them out or just where I go swimming or at the archery range, just mentioning the sort of thing. And some people are very interested and where I go swimming also happens to be a restaurant that hosts events. And mm-hmm. I've, I'm in, I've entered into uh, the possibility or in, entered into negotiations for just op- for offering an open relaxation hour there for the other people who swim. And it's just really thinking about every possible opportunity and not being afraid to then ask and have a rejection. Mm-hmm. gotten plenty mm-hmm. of those like oh mm-hmm. no no interest um doesn't fit our corporate policy um or our corporate identity that's fine but if you don't ask um and use the context that you already have then you'll never find so out so true so true i think a lot of um people that i i i communicate with through my marketing training analyze too much and don't take action action always gives clarity and trying something out is better than not doing anything so and be able to accept rejection so uh and being relaxed makes it easy to accept rejection so let's uh let's try out your your technique do we have to be um, i know some people will be walking when they listen to this and stuff do we have to be seated lying down uh can we still be walking or what should we do oh that's right yes i hadn't thought about people being walking it, I think or driving. Yeah. Yeah, so, ooh, driving, I would say, as so I would uh, say, do not do this if you're operating heavy machinery. <laughs> um, so they can um, then save this portion and go come back to it later. So where should we be when we listen to this? I think ideally, I would say people should be sitting or lying down. But mm-hmm. it, I think it could also be uh, I think it could also be interesting to try it um, when they're walking. I think it would be better to try it first sitting or lying down just to see what effect it has on them. Yeah. Um, 
and then perhaps try it on at a later point in motion. Um, I know I can do autogenic training in motion, mm-hmm. for example, uh, progressive muscle muscle relaxation. Oh, I've, I've got homework to do then, something to try out this evening. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I would say um, to sit down or lie down and you can have your eyes open or closed. And if you have them open, I would say to not focus on any one object, just sort of perhaps um, just let, let your gaze be very broad, um, just be okay. open for things. And what you do in progressive muscle relaxation is you subject specific muscle groups to tension, mm-hmm. hold that, and then feel this tension and then release it and take a couple moments to, um, to then just feel the difference between the tense state and the relaxed state. And that might sound like a lot at once. And in fact, I think progressive muscle relaxation involves quite a bit of talking on the trainer's part, Mm -hmm. but people really can just, as long as they follow the steps, they really don't have to worry if they're doing it right or wrong, because as long as you subject your muscles to tension and then release it, there's Mm -hmm. an automatic feedback in your nervous system that associates these relaxed muscles with a relaxed uh, psychological and emotional state. So as long as you're doing that, you're not doing anything wrong. You don't have to worry um, about, yeah, about doing something wrong, essentially. Mm-hmm. So. Okay. So let's yeah. try it. All right. How okay. long, how long do you know how many minutes just so that people know in advance? Yeah, I would say um, this is a, I would say this is, I would call it sort of um, a half length exercise okay. um, and so that's estimate about eight minutes um, with a short introduction and then a few muscle groups um, that are particularly relevant for translators and then at the end what I refer to as a take back where I start speaking a little bit more loudly so that people perhaps just come back to the real world and yeah which is that just as uh, the coming back to the real world implies, um, I repeat, do not do this when you're operating heavy machinery. Yes. Um, yes. Or, um, yeah. or perhaps carrying in the, or if you're in the middle of caring for little children or something like that. Um, yeah. Okay. Let's okay. try this, Claire. Yeah, that sounds good, Tess. <laughs> yeah. So first thing I would ask everybody to do, whether you're seated or lying down, or if you're doing this for a second time, if you've decided to try it out walking, is to take a moment and get centered wherever you are. And you can have your eyes open or closed. And I would ask you to take a couple deep breaths. Just breathe in and out slowly, just at your own pace, and just get in contact with your body right now. And if you have any thoughts while doing this exercise, it's perfectly okay. Just let them go on through. You're just there for a very brief visit, and then return to our exercise. Same thing is true of noises. If um, there happens to be background noise where I am, 
if there's some noise where you are, that's fine. It has its right to be there, but doesn't have anything to do with our exercise. So just let it go by. And first muscle group I would like you to focus on is your shoulders. So just take a minute to sense these large muscles connecting your arms to your neck and your back. And get a sense of how they feel now in this state of relaxation. And once you've done that, I would like you to lift your shoulders towards your ears as though you were shrugging and hold them there for a moment. Feel the tension this creates um, in your deltoids, in your upper back, and then slowly let your shoulders fall back into a position of relaxation. And then take a moment to notice how your muscles relax now and how they feel now in comparison to when they were raised towards your ears. And I'd like you to move your attention upwards towards your towards the top of your head and your forehead and take a moment to go just very deep inside any muscles you have there and try to sense any tension that you have or any relaxation you might already be relaxed and I'd like you to lift your eyebrows so somebody had, had something, said something very surprising. Hold that for a moment and feel the tension this creates in your forehead and at the top of your head. And slowly lower your eyebrows back down to their resting position. And Feel how the tension leaves your forehead, the top of your head. And moving down a bit to our cheeks and our eyes, I'd like you to take a moment to sense how the muscles in those areas feel, especially if you've been looking at a screen all day, you might feel a bit of tension in those areas. And then after you've done that, I'd like you to squint your eyes together for a couple seconds. Doesn't have to be hard, but so your eyelids start to resemble raisins or prunes. And hold that for a moment. And feel the tension that creates all around your eye socket, and your upper cheek, perhaps all the way to your jaw. And 
then release that tension. Just let your eyes and your eyelids relax. And again, moving down a bit further, like you to focus on your nose for a moment and the muscles in your lower cheeks. Just sense for a moment how they feel now in state of rest. Then I'd like you to wrinkle your nose as if you just smelled something very strong, not necessarily unpleasant, but strong. And hold that for a minute since the tension that creates in your nose around your upper lips and your cheeks. And then release that and return your face to its normal state. Feel how the tension slowly leaves these muscles and they relax once again. And next, I'd like you to take a moment and sense how the muscles around your mouth feel right now. It's in a state of rest. Around your lips, perhaps all the way over to your jaw. And I'd like you to press your lips together as though you're about to whistle a tune. And Feel the tension that creates all around your mouth and your lower cheeks as well. And then return to a state of rest and let your mouth relax. Again, take a moment to feel how the tension leaves all of these muscles and they enter into a state of relaxation. And for the next exercise, I would like you to exercise a bit of caution. And first take a moment to sense any tension or relaxation in your jaw, one of the strongest muscles in our bodies. And then very gently press your teeth together. Make sure not to grind them or to rub them against each other. That for a moment. And then slowly, slowly open up your teeth and let everything relax and feel the tension leave your jaw area. I'm going to leave our faces then and focus on our neck. And what I would like you to do is focus your attention on the nape of your neck. So just below your head. And Sense how that feels for a moment now. Perhaps you notice the weight of your head on your neck. 
and then stretch out the muscles at the top of your neck by slowly lowering your chin down towards your chest and your sternum, just as far as is comfortable for you. It doesn't have to be far. And feel the stretching and the tension at the back of your neck. And when you're ready, slowly raise your head again back into its resting position and feel how the tension leaves the back of your neck and the muscles enter into a state of relaxation. And we also have muscles on the sides of our neck. So I'd like to ask you to do something similarly, but move to the side. So I'd like you first to focus on the muscles on the left side of your neck. So how they feel in the state of relaxation now. And then I would like you to lower your right ear towards your right shoulder, just as far as it's comfortable. And then feel how the muscles in the left side of your neck stretch out also how the muscles on the right side of your neck contract and when you're ready you can return your head to an upright position then feel the muscles on the right side relax how the tension then leaves and then I'd like you to do the same thing on the other side. So first focus your attention on the right side of your neck, all the muscles there that help keep your help keep your gaze straight throughout the day. And then slowly lower your left ear towards your left shoulder, just as far as is comfortable for you. And how the right side of your neck stretches out and the muscles on the left side contract. And when you're ready, you can turn your head to an upright position. Yeah. And before I take you back to the here and now, I'd like you to take a couple moments to just go through your neck and your shoulders and your face. Just start at the top of your head. Then take a minute to go through your forehead, your eyes, your cheeks, your jaw, and your neck down into your shoulders. And try to feel if you have any tension right now, perhaps you'd like to take a moment to repeat one of the exercises if you feel like it. If not, that's perfectly fine. And I'm about to count to five. And when I reach the number five, you'll be back in the here and now and the present and ready to continue with your evening 
or your work, whatever you have on top for today. So, one, I would like you to start moving your fingers and your feet. Two, start making larger movements with your shoulders and your head. Start moving that in a circle. Three, I would like you to take a big deep breath. And then four, please open your eyes. And five, welcome back. Thank you, Claire. That was wonderful. And yes, you're I welcome. I hope that I think the listeners enjoy it too. And I will make sure that they know that this is how this episode ends. So where can we find more, find out more about your services, your and the LOS or LOS? Um, I try to post information on LinkedIn on a regular basis. Okay. Um, so people can feel free to look at my page or add me as a contact there. Mm -hmm. And I also have a website that is available in German and in English. And yep. that is uh, losimnorden.de. And I can, that's um, www.los minus i m minus n o r d e n dot d e and listeners can also feel free to send me questions either on linkedin or using my contact form on the website um, i also see myself as i'm here to lead sessions but i'm also here to help um, so and especially i think i'm also i'm here to help translators in particular so Okay. Yes, thank you. I will make sure to put these in the show notes uh, so people can go and check you out and your services. And thank you so much for this short relaxation. And uh, I encourage the listeners to go check uh, Claire out and her website and her services and more. Um, because anxiety and stress are some of the most common concerns we see among our self-employed freelancers, especially during these times we've noticed them. And this was an easy, easy way to relax more, to take care of our health and our mental well-being. And Claire showed us some easy tips today to integrate more relaxation and resilience into our lives. I will definitely try out the pebbles or uh, arrows or object thing and move things over when something small and positive happens to me throughout the day. Uh, so thank you again, Claire. And thank you to all the listeners and have a relaxed and great week ahead. Thank you for listening to Marketing Tips for Translators. I hope you found some good tips to apply to your freelance career. If you did, a great way to show this is by leaving a review on your favorite podcast listening app or to share the episode with other colleagues. Do you have a topic, question or a guest you would like to hear about here? 
send me an email to podcast at marketingtipsfortranslators.com.